Well, good morning, and thank you for worshiping with us from wherever it is that you are joining us today. Uh, Maybe it's your bedroom, maybe it's the kitchen, maybe you are sitting on the couch with your family. I do not know, but I pray that you were able to worship with us through those songs and uh, um, that you enjoyed that this morning. I'm looking forward to uh, teaching and preaching through a series here as we continue in the series of Rescue. Uh, And so last week we kicked this off. It's an incredible plan that God had to bring salvation to an entire world. See, a, a world of people who do not deserve his love and his grace and his mercy, a world of people who do not deserve that forgiveness and that redemption. A plan then, as it is today, has always had people in mind. See, you were always in the mind of God, and he had always had you in mind to use you and to use others to press forward this plan that God had set in motion. The problem is this, as it was then, it is today, we really don't see the exact picture. We can't see everything that was taking place and that is taking place. Yes, I might understand and know what God's word has said about some of the end times and about some of the things that we uh, foresee to happen, but I won't fully grasp it in in the middle of it. And the plan as we talked last week was just the same. See, we have Mary and Martha we have Lazarus and Simon the leper and the disciples. They had, uh, they had all went to, to have dinner, but they didn't know what was taking place. They knew that they loved Jesus. They knew that they, Jesus was a friend. They believed in him, but yet they didn't understand the exact moment of what was happening in that situation. They definitely didn't understand and know what was about to take place in the next day or two, where literally their lives were about to be changed, but the entire world was about to be changed. See, they were unaware that a meeting was taking place where they were planning to uh, figure out how they could arrest and how they could capture Jesus. Mary did not know that when she was breaking that alabaster jar of ointment, that alabaster, that perfume, when she was pouring it over Jesus' head and over his feet and washing his feet with her hair, she didn't realize, as Jesus would later say, that this was for the anointing of his burial. Mary didn't realize that her actions uh, really spurred something in Judas and his true colors came out, if you will, where he would get so angry and he got upset and he would later leave and accept money to betray Jesus. See, the plan was in motion. And today, the plan is in motion. And just like those folks back then were in the midst of that, we today are in the midst of the plan that God has. This morning, we're gonna look at how the plan, the, the rescue costs. See, rescue costs. And as we continue on with this storyline, we continue into the plan. We're coming from where uh, Jesus had had that dinner with Mary and Martha. Jesus walks in and the triumphal entry and the, the hosannas were screamed out and the cheers were had. So now Jesus steps back and he tells his disciples to go and prepare the Passover. I'm going to read something this morning. 
And it's going to be really a, a mashup of uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke and the passage here. And so I pray that you'll stay with me as I read this this morning. And it says this, Then came the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when they killed the Passover lamb. And he sent out two of his disciples, Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat. So they said to him, Where do you want us to go and prepare, that you may eat the Passover? And he said to them, Behold, go into the city, and when you have entered the city, a certain man will meet you, carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house which he enters. Wherever he goes in, say to the master of the house, the teacher says to you, my time is at hand. Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples at your house? Then he will show you a large furnished upper room. There make ready for us. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them. They went out and came into the city and found it just as he had said to them. And they prepared the Passover. In the evening, when the hour had come, he came and sat down and the twelve apostles with him. Then he said to them with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. See, the people were arriving, or they had arrived in Jerusalem, and Jesus sends out his two disciples to go and prepare the Passover feast. He never gave a specific location. He simply said, go into the city, follow this certain man who is carrying a pitcher of water. The man who most likely would have been a servant would certainly have stood out because He was performing a domestic task that, especially in the first century Israel, was normally something that would have been done by a woman. And Jesus says, find this man and follow him to the home that he went to. They were obedient. They they went to prepare and they they began to do all of those things. And, And though they didn't know every detail, they just trusted God. They trusted Jesus. They trusted the teacher, the Messiah. See, that vagueness could have been many different things, but one of them, they think the vagueness was just Jesus knowing that Judas had already had that plan in motion, and so they were being vague as to not to say exactly where it was so that Judas wouldn't go and give up Jesus before it was intended. The other aspect of that is that it was just Jesus being God and supernaturally putting forward this act. So Peter and John go and prepare the necessary things for this feast, the the lamb that was sacrificed to the temple, and they had roasted what needed to be that they could eat, and uh, they they had obtained the, uh, the other elements, the bread, the wine, the herbs. And it was vital for many reasons, but specific that on this night, Why is it that Jesus said he desired so much to meet with them? See, because it was this night that the the Passover would go from being a celebration, a feast of uh, celebrating the lamb and the, the, the blood that was over the door and the Passover to now it's no longer just that, but now it's the Lord's Supper commemorating Jesus' death upon the cross no longer representing that lamb that was killed in Egypt, but now signifying the body 
and the blood of the Lamb of God that would change all of history. This morning, I'm going to spend a few moments in Luke chapter 22, and as we go through this, the cost of Jesus, the cost of our rescue, we're going to look at several passages this morning, but Luke 22 is where we will be in verse number 14 through 23, and really this story continues on through uh, 38, but we will stop in verse number 23. So Luke 22, starting in verse 14, and when the hour was come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him, and he said unto them, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and brake it and gave it gave unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on the table, and truly the Son of Man goeth as it was determined. But woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to inquire among themselves which of them it was that should do this thing. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I come to you. And God, I know that things are different right now for the church. We're not meeting together. We're not gathering together. But I pray right now as the folks sit wherever it is that they're sitting. God, that you would calm them. Lord, even call me as I teach in a different manner. Lord, that, that your word, the truths of your word, would be taught. And God, that we would take it. And Lord, that you would pierce our hearts, that we would then put application into our daily lives. Father, use these next few moments to challenge us to draw us closer to you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. So we read in this passage in Luke chapter 22, and uh, Jesus has now come. The Passover is now ready and prepared. Uh, and Jesus brings all of the men in verse 14. And when the hour was come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. This morning, I'm going to go through three different thoughts. The cost of a servant, the cost of denial, And then lastly, the cost to bring the helper. And so this first thought this morning is the cost of a servant. We're going to look at John chapter 13. And in John chapter 13, we see one of the, really one of the greatest, most famous stories in all of the Bible. We see that the Last Supper had just taken place. So all of the men, the the 12 were there. They had just sat and they had just eaten And as they're talking and as the things are going on in John chapter 13, we see it starts, and in verse number two it says this, And supper being ended, so they had just finished that, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. So supper was done, 
They may have been having small talk around the table, just laughing and enjoying time together. But we know this, that Judas had already given of himself to the enemy to go and betray Jesus. In verse number four, it says this, he, Jesus, riseth from supper, laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. I love this passage of scripture. There's so much that we can get from it, but just briefly here this morning as we, as we dive into this, if we go back to the beginning of this chapter in verse number one, it says this in 13.1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, he knew that he was about to go, he knew that he was gonna be arrested, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own. Listen to this, he says, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. See, as we look at this passage, Jesus loved his disciples unto the end. Nothing changed with Jesus. Listen, for you and I, things of love are completely different. I believe we have so cheapened what love truly is. Love is narcissistic. It's, it's self-focused. It's shamefully manipulative oftentimes. It so often sees others as a means of self-gratification. And so when things aren't good, we, we kind of back out or we, we move on with what Love is Jesus didn't do any of those things. See, Jesus knew that Judas had betrayed him. Jesus knew that Jesus or that Peter would deny him. Jesus knew all of these things were taking place, but yet Jesus in this moment does what? He stops. He gets up from the table and he begins to pour the water in. See, Jesus is love and Jesus was exposed just giving and pouring of himself. Jesus was giving as a servant. So often we're takers and we're not givers. Jesus, however, knows nothing of that. Jesus is love. Jesus is sacrifice. See, 1 Corinthians 8 says, charity or love builds up, it edifies. To love as God's word teaches us to do so. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 or in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it says not to seek our own. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we know that love is patient, love is kind, all of these things that God's word says. Galatians 5, in love, serve one another. But it starts with humility. Jesus humbled himself. It says that Jesus humbled himself to the point of death, even the death upon a cross. See, for you and I to love, for me to love, I have to first and foremost humble myself before an almighty God and surrender to God. Otherwise, I can't love the way that Jesus would call us to love. Jesus shows an act of love that completely took his disciples by surprise. One, the only person that would wash the feet of anybody in this day was a servant. But they looked at Jesus as what? Think about it. They were looking at Jesus as the Messiah. They were looking at Jesus as the conquering king who was going to come and conquer, not as a servant who would bow at their feet and humbly wash their feet. I'd imagine at this time it was silent. I would imagine at this time, as we would say, you could have heard a pin drop. 
as Jesus just stopped and washed those disciples' feet. And then we come to verses 6 through 10 and Peter. Peter says, whoa, stop. What are you doing? Do you wash? Are you going to wash my feet? Jesus says, what I do thou knowest not now, but hereafter. Peter says, thou shalt never wash my feet. Again, the, the disciples were waiting for Jesus to come as this king But Jesus did not come as a king, rather as a selfless sacrifice for the sins of his people. See, Peter, like you and Peter, like I, have to accept the Lord's humiliation and the Lord's humble heart to serve as the Savior. Think about that. The Lord humbly served Peter, and Peter was saying, no, stop, stop, stop. I'm unworthy of your service. See, we have to come to the place to say, I'm unworthy, but yet say yes. See, only those who are cleansed by him have a relationship with him. Those who have placed faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and and confess their sins are cleansed by him. John 15, 3 says, Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. 1 John 1, 9, if If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Today, as you sit right where you are, the plan was that Jesus would come as a servant to all. The question is, will you accept him? Will you and I, would we recognize our need of cleansing and allow him to wash our feet? The next question, Jesus looks at them and he says, now go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Would we be so willing to do as Jesus commanded us to do and to humble ourselves, to be a servant that we are called to be as a follower of Jesus Christ? In this time, as much as any time in our in our world, in our, uh, uh, that we have to be a servant. Here's the hard part. To be a servant costs. To be a servant costs. However, the greatest blessing is to serve. But there will be somebody, just like Jesus experienced, there will be somebody who denies that service. There will be somebody who betrays us in our heart and our and our intention to serve but would we be willing to accept the cost to be that servant the second thought this morning is this the cost of denial see it isn't how things isn't it just how things go we have this perfect image of Jesus kneeling before the disciples And in the midst of it, Judas and soon Peter would betray and deny the Savior who they followed and humbly, and who humbly washed their feet. I feel so often that I'm very similar to both of them. That I fall at his feet. I accept him to wash my feet. I accept him to give the things that he desires to give and to heal where needs to be healing and the the things that I have prayed, God, would you do this? God, would you be my provider? Would you protect me? Would you be my refuge? Would you do these things for me? And he does and he provides and he gives. 
But so often I then go about my own business and do my own thing because it becomes convenient for me. Right in the midst of this plan taking place, we see betrayal and then denial happening. The disciples had experienced and knew the hatred that many had towards God, towards Jesus, but they never realized, they didn't see that it was literally right in the room with them. Matthew 26 says it this way in verse 24, the Son of Man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Literally, the one who is betraying me has already done it. And he is at this table with me. It's despicable for sure. But as much as anything, especially in that day, to eat with somebody symbolized security. It symbolized peace. It symbolized friendship and and loyalty. And for a person to betray somebody with whom he had eaten a meal was unthinkable. Yet that was exactly peace. See, in Psalm chapter 41 and verse 9, it was even predicted, Yea, mine own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. Matthew 26, 24, again, the Son of Man goeth, and it says what? But woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been Born The cost of denial, the cost of betrayal. Jesus said it is better that he had not even been born. I would say that's a very firm statement. That's a very serious, maybe drastic statement. But it truly speaks to the heart of what this is. The eternality of hell. See, Judas's future in hell was terrifying to the point Jesus said it would have been better had he not ever been born. I would like to think, as I was studying this week, one of the thoughts that came to my mind is Jesus had already made the statement of somebody would betray, and Jesus had already done these things, and Judas had already sold him, and, and Jesus now washes his feet. He gets to the, he goes on his knees, and he begins to wash the disciples' feet, and he looks right at Judas, and he washes Judas's feet. I would like to think that Judas at this point would have said, Jesus, Jesus, it is, it is me. I am the one. I have already sold you. I have already betrayed you to those men. And and they're going to do these things. But Jesus, I, I can't continue on. God, would you please forgive me? Jesus, please. But rather in this moment, what does Judas do? Judas doubles down to say, surely it is not I, Rabbi. And it was right after that Jesus spoke softly to Judas and told him, go and do it quickly. And Judas would soon leave the room. This morning, the cost of denying is not a cost for today. 
See, the cost of denying Jesus and betraying Jesus, Jesus for Judas was not just in the moment that he said no to Christ then and there, but it was an eternal decision. We know the story. Judas would shortly leave and he would go and, and commit suicide and die and kill himself. But Judas would never seek the repentance of God. See, the cost of betrayal is not just in that moment. I ask you this, are you like Judas? Are you like Judas? You've stood with Jesus. You've heard the teaching. You've read the word. You've seen the miracles of God. You've even been a part of the miracles You've, you've prayed and seen families come. You've seen things happen with your own eyes. You've even watched God intervene in your own behalf. And on the lives of those around you. But yet, you're okay to walk and betray Him. You've played the part. And your heart inside. Can I beg you? Can I plead with you this morning, right where you sit this morning? Do not walk away. Rather say, oh God. God, I, if I were to be serious and if I were to be real with myself, I've played the part. My heart's been hardened, but I've never surrendered to you, God. Maybe today you would stop and realize that the cost of denying who he is is not just a cost for the moment. It's not just a matter of I look good today, but it's what does that mean eternally speaking? Then there are others who are hearing this for the first time or you are questioning and seeking and looking and attempting to learn and understand. Listen, don't deny him. Don't say yes to yourself and no to him. Denial is an eternal decision that you are making and don't. You don't have tomorrow. You don't have the next month and the next five years and ten years. You may not have the next five minutes. Would you say yes to him? Cry out to him in humility and say, yes, don't deny him, for this is an eternal cost to say no and deny Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. This morning, as we go into this last thought, the cost to bring the helper See, I'm really kind of bouncing all over different passages of Scripture. We started in Luke chapter 22, and I'm not going verse by verse through that, but what we come through is we saw that Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and we saw the triumphal entry last week, this plan that was set in motion, and then Jesus setting in motion this Passover dinner that was about to take place, and they all came together in verse number 14 of Luke 22, where we started this morning. The hour was come, and he sat down with the twelve, and he begins to walk through all of this. And everything that we are seeing this morning takes place in this upper room. Judas had now left. Judas was gone and Jesus 
comes down and gets a little more serious. And Jesus, at this point, says what the, the helper is about to come. Why? Because of what he had just talked about. Because of what he had just to- talked and taught of the Last Supper. His body that would be beaten. His blood that would be shed and poured out. But all of those things had to happen. Why? In chapter 14 of the book of John, it speaks just of that. That the helper, the comforter, the Holy Spirit would come, but Jesus had to die in order for that to take place. And so in John chapter 14, really we have about probably three to four weeks of sermons in this passage of Scripture. But I want to take just a couple moments. I don't want to look at this passage. Judas has left. And Jesus stops and he begins to teach. The narrative completely has changed. The Lord's Supper, the old covenant is now kind of beginning to change because he's brought in the Lord's Supper. It is no longer a celebration of the Lamb, but now it is his body that is going to be broken. It is his blood that is shed. The ultimate cost of this rescue of God's son is beginning to be spoken more clearly to the disciples. And Jesus begins to share. And in verse 14, 14 in verse number one, he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He says, listen, I want to, I want to comfort you. Don't worry. Don't fret. Don't fear because I want to come along. I want to, I want to be your comforter. I'm going to send you that comforter. But in order for that to happen, I have to leave. I cannot be here. But don't be troubled. Because if you believe in God, you believe also in me. And listen, for the next couple minutes as we close out this morning, this cost is beyond anything that we could ever think or imagine. The cost that Jesus speaks of in this passage uh, of bringing the comforter in, the cost of his bloodshed, the cost of all of those things is truly beyond anything, but that had to happen in order for the comforter to come. And this morning, as Jesus is sitting and teaching, saying, calm down, do not be anxious, do not worry, I would say the same thing to you, calm down, do not be anxious, do not worry, because God has a plan, and Jesus is sharing with them, there's a plan, there's a reason exactly for what's going on, though you don't see it today, God says, calm down, it'll be okay. He says, my comfort is trusting in my presence. I would ask you this morning, do you trust in God's presence? As he, Jesus, speaks to these, uh, the disciples and the others that were in the room, he says, he says, believe in God, believe also in me. It's trusting in God's presence. It's trusting in the preparation as you continue to go down. It says, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place, I will come again. Listen, I would ask you this. And just as Jesus asked, do we trust in the plan that God has put in motion? Do we trust in this plan? In his presence 
in that preparation, God is coming back. Do we trust in the proclamation that Jesus has made that in verse number 6 of chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Do I trust and believe in all of these things? Do we trust in God and who he is? Trusting in that preparation being made. Trusting in the fact that he is God and that he has to, he has to have paid the price. There's an incredible cost for the comforter to come. And that cost is Jesus Christ's life. The cost is him as the innocent, spotless lamb of God. And I ask you, will you trust in the power and the plan that God has set in motion? Will you trust in his promise? I imagine for the disciples that it was hard because they didn't grasp what was going on. Yet soon, they would see it all very clearly. Soon, they would see it all. Today, I say to you, There is a cost to the rescue. The ultimate cost, again, is Jesus Christ's life. But I would ask you, what is that cost to you? Are you willing to pay the cost? See, so many times we've done this Christian thing and we've we've played this part. We really were Judas. And now we sit in a moment where life isn't as easy as it's supposed to be. And we're trying to figure out, how do I, do I trust? Does God really have a plan? Is God really pulling all things together? And listen, that comforter is there. If you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, the comforter is inside of your heart. He lives in you. But do we trust? Are you willing to be the servant that God has called for you to be? Are you willing to love and give and be generous knowing that you might be betrayed? Have you been playing the part but have never made it real personally? Are you willing to trust him and know that the comforter is with you? He is there and here to give you peace and comfort. Again, Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Trust him this morning. Trust him. As you sit right where you're at, we've looked at the rescue plan that God has set in motion. We looked at the reality that rescue costs. And as I close out this morning, I'm pleading with you not to simply say, I know the cost. Pastor Aaron, I know the cost I know that it costs Jesus's life but I'm asking you this morning would you stop would you reflect right where you are and say have I just taken the easy road of this Christian life I've never had a cost because I've never truly stuck my neck out for God. I've never had a cost because I've truly just never loved enough to be the servant that I need to be. I've never had the cost because I've never been bold enough to speak up and say what I believe about who God is. Maybe today you would say I no longer need to take the easy road. 
but that you would be willing to just say, God, yes. God, I surrender. God, I, I give you everything. I urge you. Would you do just this? I urge you and I plead with you. Stop living the Christian life as it's just so simple and we can just get by. Rather trust and say, God, yes. Maybe this morning you sit right where you're at, wherever that is. You may be a guest and you've never come to Oasis and you've just seen it online. So you're stopping in. I would ask you. Have you ever surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Has there come a time in your life where you have stopped and you've realized that there is sin in your life, that you have done wrong, that you have failed Him? I tell you today, He loves you in the midst of all of that. And the story, the cost, the payment, the penalty, the death, the blood, and the shedding of, of, of His blood was for you because He loved you. Would you stop this morning and say, God, I don't even fully understand this, but I know that I need your forgiveness. Would you come and forgive me of my sins? Would you come and cleanse me of my sinfulness, of my unrighteousness? God, this morning, I don't fully know what this means, but I'm asking and I'm, I'm going to say to you that I would surrender my life to you, that you would be the Lord of my life. Would you be my Lord and Savior? This morning, regardless of where you're at in your spiritual life, there's been a plan that was set in motion. And that plan took us to this place this morning where Jesus sat with his 12 disciples. They all came and he sat and he shared with them the story of the plan that he was going to have to be the bread. That he was going to have to be the blood. And all of these things had to happen the denial, the betrayal, all of these things had to happen. Why? So that the comforter would come because he had to go. This morning, the cost of rescue is not just for this moment, but it's for all of eternity. And I ask you, would you surrender your life that he would be the Lord your personal Lord and Savior. And if you have already done that, would you surrender your life back to him and say, God, there's so many areas that I need to surrender, that I would be the servant that I need to be, that I would love you And I would walk this walk that you have called me to walk. Understanding there may be a cost. But in surrender at your feet.